All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. Uh, I am Frank. David, how's it going today? Uh, it's going great, man. I'm just sitting back uh, checking out some of the uh, college games here. We're down to the Elite Eight, and it's about five teams left to be exact. So it'll be the winner of this game. The Final Four bracket will be all set. How are you, my friend? Uh, well, I'm great because I don't even follow basketball, so I'm not nervous at all. Although I heard, uh, you know, Loyola did good at one point and not anymore. Um, but that's as far as my basketball knowledge goes. <laughs> yeah, they did. They beat uh, Illinois and then they went to the Sweet 16. And then after that, they later made the last game. So they're out, uh, but they still had a good uh, run at it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Coach Moser, so I was kind of happy for him anyway. Even, even though I, was, I had Illinois to win it all, but uh, I really love Moser. He's a great guy. You know, he's he's uh, come to Wrigley a couple of times and uh, just a down to earth guy. So I was really happy for him. He's going to do big things with that program. So um, you know, they're going to eventually. They're going to. You know, I'm not going to say they're going to win it all, but they got the, the right pieces in place to you know with that with that staff, and I think they're going to do well. Okay. Now today's podcast is probably going to be the most listened to podcast because uh, we've got Joe from Obvious Shirts here and our staff has been uh, blowing up social media uh, because of a post that he made that we're going to talk about. Uh, so we're ready for that. But uh, before we get to that, uh, we want to announce uh, a new member to our team who's going to be helping us with our audio and all the other kind of good stuff. Um, of course, today is the day of Joe's. All of our announcements are about somebody named Joe. But former supervisor for security, uh, Joe Flaherty, uh, is going to be joining our team, doing all of our um, audio for us. Uh, David, you worked with Joe, didn't you? Yes, I worked the last season he was there, my first year back. I think when I came back the next year, he that was his last year that he left. But yes, I'm familiar with Joe. He's a great guy, and I'm uh, happy to have him on the team. Yeah, so we have a lot of um, different guests that are going to be recording intros and things for us, and he's going to be handling all that. And uh, uh, if you're listening to this today, you already heard our um, our first uh, guest uh, intro, and that was with um, Pat Hughes. Uh, Pat Hughes did a great job for us um, with his uh, intro. And then he also did some um, play-by-play with me uh, batting at Wrigley Field. He did it all on his own, and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, because I didn't ask him to do that. He did it on his own. So um, here is the message that Pat Hughes left me, and it's basically, supposedly, me, uh, his version of me, I guess, batting at Wrigley Field and him calling me batting. Now, speaking of fun, since Frank Walker was kind enough to contact me for this assignment, Frank, I'm going to put together a voicemail for your telephone. It is a play-by-play segment, and you just happen to be part of the action, okay? And it's coming up in three, two, and one. Frank Walker takes his lead at second base. Heavy drama, bottom of the ninth inning, Wrigley Field, Cubs and Cardinals tied at three, Anthony Rizzo at the plate, trying to drive in Frank Walker with the winning run. Here's the stretch and the pitch. 
Rizzo lines a base hit into right field. This could do it. Frank Walker rounding third, heading home. Look at him go. Here comes the throw to the plate. Frank slides. Frank is out. Frank is out. But when he returns, he'll be happy to call you back. Please wait for the tone and leave a message. Now, how awesome was that? <laughs> that was great, man. <laughs> you know, he had me fooled at first. I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's going to be a, like, oh, this, that, was, that was awesome, man. <laughs> I did not even ask for that. He just did it on his own. Um, as a matter of fact, he did a whole bunch of other um, things in this, in this recording for us that we'll have in our intros and um, along with some other phone work cubs and things like that. But uh, it was really, really cool to get that from Pat Hughes. That totally surprised me. I was completely shocked uh, to hear Pat Hughes do that. Yeah, man, that was awesome, man. Um, the only thing that would have made it better is if your favorite player was the guy that was at the plate. Yes. Uh, if that was Jason Hayward, I would be on the floor right now probably because that would have been awesome. Jason Hayward, my favorite player, driving me in. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no need to uh, uh, delay what everybody really wants to hear. Uh, and we really need to bring our disclaimer out again for this. Um, we are not uh, discussing official business, as most people know already. Uh, we are discussing this not as our uh, positions with the Cubs, because we don't speak for the Cubs. Um, we are speaking as uh, people, Frank and David, and we're just having a conversation. Um, so. Uh, none of this that you hear today is uh, official uh, decisions by the Cubs, uh, doesn't represent the Cubs. Uh, this is our conversation with Joe uh, that we're going to have based on some of what our staff sent us about his tweet. So uh, without further ado, let's introduce uh, the man of the hour, Joe Johnson. How's it going? Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. And I just wanted to say that after listening to Pat Hughes, call you rounding the base uh, only to be thrown out. And then he's kind of putting two and two together that it was probably the best voicemail message I've ever heard in my life. So that's, that's a, uh, that's a keepsake for sure. Yes. Um, and I mean, if it would have had Jason Hayward, it would have been even better. I'm just, I'm a huge, huge Jason Hayward fan. Everybody at Wrigley Field knows that. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Jason Hayward is he's, <clears throat> he's underrated. Um, he doesn't get, I don't think he gets enough uh, praise for, what he's done and you know he's he's on the up he's been playing better and better season over season so um i fully support jason hayward i i don't think we talk about him enough all right so uh, we're going to start by talking with you and uh, uh david will give me a sign and we're going to have this all worked out today with questions but let's begin with you uh tell me about how obvious shirts even came about yeah so obvious shirts was was born very organically, which it, it's been cool to see the transformation. Um, I live right across the street from the ballpark and I go to a lot of Cubs games at the time I was a season ticket holder. Um, and I went to a lot of games and I guess the one thing that I thought was missing when going to games is kind of like the t-shirts, um, based around humor. And I really liked to wear and I still like to wear shirts that kind of get reactions shirts that you know say things that you can express maybe how you feel about something it's as corny as it sounds it's like a you know six to eight hour tattoo you can really kind of sh tell people what you're all about on a, on a t-shirt um so 
you know, I was working downtown Chicago at the time for a company called Career Builder, and it, it was a great gig, a great company. And, you know, lucky for me, a lot of people that I worked with were sports fans. And so in the mornings, we would, you know, as cliche as it sounds, gather around the water cooler and talk Cubs baseball. I've, I've been a Cub fan since I can remember. I don't remember a time with when the Cubs were not a part of, you know, my family and my life and watching the game. And so I just kind of it was in 2015 and one of the talks we had at the cooler was about how good Jake Arrieta was pitching. And I walked in and I just said, guys, Jake Arrieta is good at baseball. And and that was meant to be an understatement because at the time he was putting up numbers that we haven't seen in baseball that second half of 2015. And so one of my buddies, you know, he printed shirts in college. He did some promotions. And I said, do you think your contacts could print me a shirt. I want to wear, uh, I want to wear my own t-shirt to Jake's next start. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, he got me a shirt that just said Jake Arrieta is good at baseball. And, um, I, I wanted it as soft as possible, uh, just because I'm a little, I don't know. I'm not, not, I wouldn't call it OCD, but I'm very particular about things. And I like my t-shirts like soft, especially you guys know Wrigley and July and August, it's hot and my seats were in the bleachers. So I wanted something comfortable to sit through or sit a game, sit through a ball game in. And uh, I picked Helvetica font because when I was in college, I had a course and it said Helvetica font was the easiest font to read. So put two and two together. And that's literally how obvious shirts was born. I wore it to the next game that Jake started uh, in the fall of 2015. And he pitched one of his best games. He uh, went the whole nine innings, struck out 11. I think he gave up one or two hits, maybe one walk. Um, And I got bombarded. I was going to get a beer in like the third or fourth inning. And I just got stopped by numerous people asking me where I got the shirt. And I just said I made it for myself. And if they gave me their contact information, I would make make them one and stay in touch. And then it, it grew from there. I left with like 30 business cards, printed 50, sold the other 20 online in 45 minutes. And then I just said, what else can I think of? Um, And that's how it was started. It was just me wearing it to a game and people noticing and asking for it. And then it snowballed into, I guess, what it is today. Now, the name, uh, Obvious Shirts, uh, is there a story behind that? So, yeah, when I made my first T-shirt, I didn't have a company. The company was never part of the plan. I never thought I would do T-shirts, but I just made a shirt kind of based on my dry humor. And... When I wore it and I saw the popularity and kind of the demand, I thought, you know what, there might be something to this and I, I want to make more. And, you know, my, my next shirt was Kyle Schwarber uh, crushes baseballs because that's pretty obvious at the time he was hitting mammoth shots. And I remember the day I thought of the company because as corny as this also sounds, I got the iPad Pro, which back in 2015, it was, you know, it was the, I thought it was the coolest thing. It's, I actually have it right here, the same iPad. I got this iPad for work and it has like a pencil and you can draw it. And I thought the pencil and writing on the screen was just the coolest thing because I'm a nerd. And I, my girlfriend and I were up real late and I was just playing with my iPad and I drew a circle. And then I just wrote in the obvious shirts logo and I, turned to my girlfriend Grace and I said how like how obvious is this my logo is going to be obviously my company like brand and she thought it was really funny and I I still have that little doodle somewhere in my photo album but that's 
it, it, I, I thought of it at one in the morning on like a Tuesday. It was, it was random. It popped in my head. I thought, you know what, this really kind of makes sense. And if I want to go out and branch this company out, I thought I had a really good differentiator where I was just words on shirts and I was just stating the simple and obvious things around sports. And that's how that's, that came to be. So, yeah. All right. I look like David has a question for you. Uh, hi, Joe. Yeah, I was just uh, curious to know, um, did you have like, uh, do you have a storefront or do you have like this online or um, how does that actually, the concept actually work right now? So, yeah, it's a good question right now. I don't have my own like brick and mortar store. That's always been in the plan. But as I'm learning through throughout all this, running a business is really hard and you have to balance, you know, cash flow and you have to balance orders and you have to balance inventory and your website. So right now, I just manage the online web store, obviousshirts.com. I've been very fortunate to make great partnerships and relationships with the Cubs being one of them and Clark Street Sports. Um, They've kind of been in my corner since 2017 um, and were the first to ever do a retail deal with me. But they have so many stores all throughout Chicago. You know, my presence was still where I wanted it to be. And so I, I never made a push for a brick and mortar or a retail store. And I solely focused on my time and my energy is building like an online brand and, and kind of building that around what's going on in sports and in baseball and just trying to stay true to my name and keep everything as simple and basic as possible. So the future, I would love to have a store one of these days. It's just, you know, as all three of us on this call know, the past uh, 18 months have been pretty crazy. And that's changed a lot of, you know, throwing a wrench in a lot of my plans. All right. Now, I know that the shirt that I saw the most, that I did not know it was your shirt, but the one I saw the most at Wrigley was the one behind you right there that says, try not to suck. Uh, so I'm wondering, was that your biggest seller? I know I saw that one everywhere at Wrigley Field. I'm just curious, is that your was that your biggest seller? How did that, how did that even come up to try not to suck? So that actually, that's funny. Um, that that was gifted to me um, by, so that was not, that was not obvious shirts. That was, that shirt was huge before I was even a company. Um, but I, be, I became good friends with the, with the owner of that company, which was called Court. And they had a, you know, an agreement with Joe Madden. And so as I got to know the owner, Jacob, and I, you know, picked his brain cause I told him, Hey, I thought about starting this t-shirt company, but I've never done this. And I, and I want to know what I'm getting myself into. So he was a huge help for me. And I helped him uh, with just kind of my marketing and my ideas and what I saw and, you know, connecting him to certain people. Um, they were well established before I got involved. But that's that shirt signed by Joe Madden, my boy, Jake Arietta and Chris Bryant. So I, I just keep that on display uh, just because I like. I, yeah, it's a it's a cool memory for me because it kind of, I guess, inspired me more or less to take a dive and make the jump. But yeah, that was, that was gifted to me. Um, so I can't take credit for that. So, but what is your number one, what is your best seller or your top three seller? would you say? My number one seller by a long shot is the greatest game ever played. It was on a Wednesday in Cleveland. Um, that's sold almost 50,000 units by itself. And my second one's not even close. I mean, I, I, I've made a lot of shirts in the past couple of years, but the greatest game is, way way out in front 
Now, I saw some people with a max mask that said, I'd rather be at Wrigley. It sounds like something that you would say mm-hmm. on your shirts. Yeah, that was mine. They, yep. That was, yeah, that was one of ours. And um, yeah, that that all popped up because of the situation the world found itself in. And um, people asked for masks and sent me emails and messages on social. So I my, my printer found a good mask and we figured out a, a new way uh, called sublimation that Literally, you print on special paper in the reverse, and then you put that special paper on top of the mask, and we have a machine that comes down and transfers the ink the correct way to the mask, and then we coat it so it's safe, and voila. I think I want to buy – we have some staff that couldn't work uh, this season for obvious reasons, and uh, I'm sure they would love that mask. I'm sure they would rather be at Wrigley. Uh, so I'm actually going to make a commitment and buy some myself for some of my coworkers. Um, I'm going to do that for them. But speaking of coworkers, uh, actually, when I pull up these messages that I got from all of them, let me let David go while I find all these messages from them. Go ahead, David. I just wanted to add that I was looking at the website earlier. I was actually looking into a few items myself, cool items. And then there's a couple of things that are on sale also that I saw. I'm really interested in uh, purchasing a few items and supporting that brand. No, I appreciate it. But if I can do anything, you guys just let me know what you need and, and I'll take care of it because I appreciate you guys having me on and sharing my story. And if I can give back in any way, shape or form, that's a huge proponent to why I do this. So don't, I appreciate the kind gesture, but I would rather get you guys what you want and what you need. And uh, it's just to say thanks for all that you guys do. All right, so these messages, there's so many that are still downloading on my phone, all the messages from my staff, but our staff. But um, let me jump on this other tweet. You and Ian Hap, I believe, um, struck some kind of deal with each other that actually started the blowing up of my email, actually, <laughs> which will led to that. But you want to talk a little bit about the Ian Hap collaboration? Yeah, yeah. So Ian reached out to me at the beginning of this pandemic and he just thought what I was doing was really cool. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this. I'm not vocal about it. I don't try to share all this, but I'm a company of one. I'm one guy. I do it all. I do. I do everything from social to, to online order processing, to order entry, to admin, to all the stuff that comes with running a business. And I still try to maintain the backstock that you see behind me and getting shirts out in the mail in time. So he thought what I was doing was really cool and and he wanted to see if he could help me out. Or, you know, once we started connecting more and having phone calls, he got to learn more about me. I got to learn more about him. And he is a very bright individual who has a big interest in entrepreneurship and was sincerely interested in what I was doing. So long story short, we collaborated on some podcast shirts, just like you guys. He has a podcast called the compound podcast and we did some trips for him and, and it all went really well. It's still going really well. And we, we talk every now and then and collaborate on different ways to market and sell. And one thing for me is I really wanted this year to get back to my roots and that is obvious t-shirts. So, you know, my t-shirts are not supposed to be really, really creative and really deep in thought. They're supposed to be kind of basic on purpose. They're not they're not supposed to be flashy, just to the point. And so I, you know, I was telling him I really want to get back to the basics on obvious shirts and what it means and, and re reestablish myself as kind of that witty, sarcastic 
phrase. So I said, what do you think if I send the team just a bunch of shirts that say like baseball player? And, and, and I had it broken down. So I had, you know, center fielder for half and I had right fielder for Hayward. And, you know, I had for Chris and Rizzo, I did like Kevin's dad and Kyler's dad. And he like he loved the idea and he took it back to the team and, and was cool with all that. But he said, Hey, our, like for our staff, how about we get shirts specific to the staff that say trainer or um, run prevention coordinator or quality assurance coach, or third base coach. And I thought that was great. So I said, absolutely. I love doing custom things like that. It makes people feel good. It's, it's, it's a shirt that they could wear and be proud of. So he sent me a spreadsheet of everybody in the organization and every kind of job title that they wanted. And I thought that was incredible. So I had my printer uh, and we, we worked very hard on this to get it done in a timely process, but we made every shirt one off custom and it just happened to work out so well that when the shirts got delivered to them in Mesa was kind of like the, the broadcast picked it up and social media had the photographers had photos of it and it was before a game and it just kind of all game came together really, really well. And, uh, it again happened organically with, the photo, the photographers and and making, and it kind of just built on itself. We didn't have this detailed plan, but it, it kind of grew into something, a life of its own. And, and we thought it was a cool concept because it's to the point it's obvious and it lets people relate to the players. And with that momentum building, we're like, well, we have to give something for the fans. And that was the whole point of why I wanted to do this was I wanted to get the Cubs, their baseball player shirts and get all of us baseball fan or, or Cubs fan. So the timing worked out really well. We put up for pre-order, uh, sold a bunch of shirts. And then I just thought I want to, you know, take care of everybody on the Cubs. If, if the Cubs would work with me or get, they would give me the information, I would make a custom shirt for, for all the employees because I, as a diehard Cub fan, appreciate what you guys do. And you guys are just as much part of the experience and you make the experience possible. So I, that's just the way I wanted to give back. And I still stand behind that. And hopefully after this call, we can get a good list populated and get some obvious shirts on uh, some really employees and staff. So, yes, um, you know, I um, uh, moderate a, uh, a Facebook group that most of our staff is on. And uh, out of nowhere, I started getting these notifications and more and more. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe uh, Jason Hayward had been traded. I didn't know what was going on. I was just getting a ton of notifications. <laughs> and I looked. Uh, edit, and somebody had posted this tweet from you that says, uh, hey, at Cubs, would you help us out? We want to gift as many employees as possible their own shirts. And then you listed organist, anthem singer, content creator, 50-50 raffler, general manager, broadcaster, baseball writer, baseball reporter, cameraman, photographer, beer vendor, grounds crew, etc. And that when and that is when my life changed because I began <laughs> to start getting messages and comments. Uh, people wanted me to get you on the <laughs> podcast as soon as possible. And I have a lot of questions. So if you don't mind, now we can't discuss whatever the Cubs are going to do because we don't know. But I would like to read some of these questions and comments from staff if you're okay with that. Go for it. All right. So uh, now, again, everybody's supportive. 
but I guess some there's over two thousand, over well over two thousand people that work uh, in different departments. So uh, although they're all supportive, people like to see their name, and when they don't see their name, they start to represent. So of course. Josh uh, Salisbury, uh, one of our uh, guest service ambassadors, which is ushers. First, he's like, you know, uh, where are the GSAs and where are the, <laughs> where are the ushers and where are the security? And I do want you to uh, just let Josh know that, of course, you were not in- excluding the ushers and security. You just can't put all of that in a tweet. I'm not. Uh, yes, I am not excluding anybody. I just thought of the first kind of things that popped in my mind and I don't even know the the full list and how intricate it gets, but I was that was not intended to exclude everybody. Um, that's why I made sure I put in that, et cetera, so that the list goes on and people filled in all the, the gaps, not all the gaps, but certainly people filled in um, a lot of the gaps. And, and I want to make sure that there aren't, we're not breaking any rules, right? We're not giving somebody a shirt that can't receive gifts or not or giving them the wrong impression that this shirt they're going to be allowed to wear on the job while they're an usher at Wrigley that just says usher. So I'm, I'm going to learn what is going to be, what can be done and what can't be done, but I never, never left anybody off on purpose. Yeah. So a bunch of these questions here are the same thing. I want to ask you this question with a lot of these, can we buy the shirt on our own with our own money? Like, like their own custom shirt. Yes, that says parking or these different things that they listed here. Yeah, so that's something we're working on right now. Um, where we were we were trying to get it worked out with Major League Baseball if we could put like a Cubs logo anywhere on it um, that we c- cannot do at the time. But I would be happy to create custom shirts for them. And if I can't, you know, I'm I'm a I'm I am a small business, so. To be honest with the people listening, if I cannot supply enough shirts for everybody, what I can promise you is that, yes, they can buy their own custom shirt and I will sell it to them at the same cost that it costs me, meaning I will make zero dollars on it and we can make sure that everybody gets a shirt at a super, super, super discounted rate. But I want to stand behind my words and, and make and get as many as I can be able to gift. I would love to do that. And anything else will come at my cost. I would love to do that. All right. While I'm pulling up more questions, I'm going to let David go while I pull up some more questions. Sure. Hey, Joe, uh, do you think you can do uh, one for our podcast? And we will totally like pay you. We're, we're not looking for any handouts or anything of that nature. I know you're a great guy and I know you're uh, supporting us as well, but we want to support you also. So that would be cool if we could uh, get some. I got a great idea. I'm going to talk to you after the podcast. Yeah. Like, quick, so. Um, I got a great idea that I'm thinking in my head. So you just let me know if it works for you and we can kind of make some arrangements on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the fun part of this teacher company. Again, I never got into this just for the business side. I got into this and it kind of evolved because I am a fan first and I say a fan first businessman second, but this is the kind of fun stuff that I thoroughly enjoy doing is creating the partnerships and creating the relationships and building the relationships. and. I, I want to be able to help people with whatever they need when it comes to, I guess, a t-shirt or representation or putting their brand on a, on apparel. I want to, I want to help out and I'll do whatever I can. So yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And we'll get together after this and be more than happy to, to get you guys a podcast shirt. Absolutely. 
Uh, by the way, I want to say, uh, you know, I know you mentioned uh, not making a profit, but um, knowing these people as I do, and we just raised over five grand for uh, Anthony Rizzo, uh, they're going to want to, you know, support you and help you uh, and your company as well. I, I already know what I'm going to hear from them. This is over. That of course, we're going to pay for the shirt and we still want him to make some money. So I'm giving you the heads up now that these are some no, really I'm good people that are going to want to be supportive because they support everything that I do way more than I actually do. So I just know, I see it coming. Awesome. Yeah. And I, and I will be, you know, as I, I will be as open to their taking in their ideas and creating the shirt that they want. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, but yeah, I have no, I have no, I, I let's say it this way. I have all the confidence in the world that we'll get this done and we'll make everybody happy and everybody will get their own custom shirt and it'll be, it'll be a win-win that I can assure you. Yes, and just as a disclaimer, we're not talking about the club organization for you all that are listening. We're talking about uh, what you were going to do individually. All right, uh, Patty Lynn uh, wants to know if in the future you will offer more hoodies and T-shirts and other colors. Yeah, the, that's always the plan. The hoodies were, the, with the pandemic, I had two of my biggest suppliers shut down, and so everything's very cyclical. I'm, I'm already ordering for, you know, summertime. I already did my bulk order. So a lot of it, there was a lot of shortage on hoodies and I, I couldn't expand to more designs because the blanks weren't even available. So the purpose moving forward with hoodies is to branch that out much wider and yes, offer more colors and make it more customizable for the person. If they like the phrase, but they don't want it on Royal, I have a lot of Royal shirts and I get that. And I'm sick of seeing the color Royal too sometimes. So yeah, it would be a breath of fresh air to get them in other colors. And that is the goal. Um, it's just a lot harder than, than it seems when you're dealing with the supply chain and what's available and what's not. Now I got your information actually from, um, uh, Stu from club 400, uh, who has invited, um, who has invited all of the staff to come out there uh, when we're able to do so. Uh, and that actually may be, if we do, I'm sure we're going to do that, but we might not be able to wear these shirts to work. But I can see us being able to all wear these shirts over to Stu's place at mm -hmm. uh, Club 400, and maybe we can all take a picture with you. That would, I would blow that up and frame that and put it in my office. Uh, I got a question for you here. Where were you? What were you doing when the Cubs won the World Series? Yes. So I had a bunch of friends over. And since I lived so close to the stadium, we had every window kind of open. And it was crazy. And we had food. We had a lot of drinks. And we needed a lot of drinks because, holy moly, when it got into the eighth and, and when they tied and went into extras, I was a wreck. Um, after the Rajai Davis home run, I had to like walk out of the house for a little bit and catch my breath and kind of just come back down to, to planet earth. Cause I, you know, I'm a Cub fan and, and the, the 25 years before that was kind of let down. So I, I was just nervous, but man, yeah, we had a, we had a, we probably had 25 people over. Um, I have it on video. I, I, I posted every year as like a nice memento, uh, and then we went out into the streets and we went to Wrigley and it was the greatest night of my life. Uh, High-fiving everybody, hugging everybody. It ended up being the best and it is the greatest game, baseball game that I think has ever been played. And 
the numbers tell you that and just the the emotional roller coaster that that was but i i was with all my closest friends and it was definitely a night i'll never forget what did you guys do for game for game seven um i'll go first and then i'll let david go um so as i've said on this podcast before i'm probably the only person that worked for the cubs that did not watch the final out because my heart could not take i thought i was going to jump out of my chest when the game got tied and i literally feared for my own health <laughs> and i just couldn't take anymore and i lived by wrigley so i realized that they won by the horns and the noise um but i literally thought my heart would have exploded i'm not joking i really thought my heart was gonna explode um, I was with, yeah i was with you man that was an emotional night yeah so i, I didn't get to watch it all but what about you david yeah, I was uh, actually working my other job that day, and I was sneaking on my phone, like, trying to get the updates and things of that nature. And we got off work, and it was, like, the sixth inning, I believe. And I was on my way home. I had to take a bus to my car and, and then jump in my car and race home. And, like, as soon as I got in the door, that's when Rise hit the home run. And I, like, totally freaked out like everyone else did. And. I'm um, like you, Joe. I had to go outside for a second and catch my breath. I was like, freaking out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I had to go get a drink. And, and then when it started raining, I was like, "The agony is just going to be worse." Because now we're going to get delayed, and then we're going to lose. It's going to be worse. So it was just—it was a crazy night. And I, I finally, you know, like I said, I was at home and, uh, with my kids and things of that nature, and I screamed so loud on the last out, like I totally woke up the whole building and. <laughs> I was just, it was just an exciting night. It was, it was so amazing. That's not in my life ever. Yeah. And I, I think when the rain came and the rain delay hit, I thought that was good for the Cubs because I thought it kind of broke that, you know, the momentum was shifting in Cleveland's favor and that kind of put a halt to that. And that's when our boy Frank's favorite player rallied all the troops, got him in the, in the dugout or in the gym room, you know, underneath the tunnel or in the, you know, clubhouse and, that I, I firmly believe that talk from Jason Hayward changed the mentality and the attitude of the Cubs coming out of that rain delay. And here we are now talking about the Cubs being World Series champs. It'll never get old. I don't care what people say. I will always love that day. I will always talk about it uh, because, you know, my grandfather who passed away 30 days to the day after the Cubs won, he waited 93 years to see that. So I am never going to take anything from anybody that says, let it go. No, I'm not letting that go. Like that was the greatest day ever. So. Absolutely not. Can't let that go at all. That was, that was something that was just so special. And like a lot of people didn't even make it to see them win the world series. So it was like, you know, it was for everybody. It's just like, it wasn't just for the staff. It wasn't just for like former players. It was for like all the fans and season ticket holders for like 60 years and, so many people it affects Yep, absolutely. It still affects people, um, as it should, because the history was made in 108-year drought. I mean, millions of people live their life without – millions of Cub fans live their life without ever seeing a World Series. So I consider myself lucky that I got to witness that, and I don't take that lightly, and I don't forget it. So that's just – that's now a part of me, and it's part of us, and – it finally feels good to to say that and to have that. All right. So uh, on our podcast, or actually on Zoom, I should say, we've had 
from Kerry Wood to Mark Pryor, all the way to Andre Dawson, to Bill Madlock, to Ryan Dempster, um, uh, Adbert, current Cubs. So who is your all-time favorite Cub? And then on the current roster, who is your standout guy? Yeah, so <clears throat> that's a great question. And, and the answer's become a little bit more complicated recently. Because growing up, I gravitated to Mark Grace. Um, my first Cub game was in 93. The Cubs weren't very good. Uh, strike hit in 94. I didn't really see Samberg because Samberg was then on his way out. And um, Mark Grace was my guy. And then 1998 happened. And Kerry Wood, obviously, I mean, it's so tough. Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 32. So that 98 team... Like 98 to 2000 was like my childhood impressionable years where I looked at Cubs players as more than human, but less than gods. And like Kerry Wood was my guy, Kerry Wood and Mark Grace was on that team. So it, it kind of started at Mark Grace and then kind of shifted to, you know, Kerry Wood. And I cannot leave out Sammy Sosa because Sammy Sosa was the biggest reason why I wanted to go to a Cubs game growing up. And that's a whole nother discussion for how I feel about Sammy Sosa, but I, that 98 to 2003 window um, was very, had a huge impression on me. And, and I think Kerry Wood would have to be my, my favorite all time. And after meeting him and seeing how nice he is and how great of a human being he was, or how great of a player he was and how great of a human being he is, that combination kind of sealed the deal for me. And then, Currently, it's, it's Jake Arrieta, not even close by a mile because Jake's the reason why I started this company. Jake, you know, when we got him from Baltimore, I I just remember hearing about him. I, I saw a few of his games and I thought his stuff was nasty. And I was really excited when we got him. And, and he ended up being arguably one of the best pitchers in our in our franchise, especially for that those, you know, three to four years. Um, Jake was my guy. And. So to answer your question in a very long-winded answer, I would say all-time favorite Cub is, you know, Kerry Wood. And currently it's it's Jake. And I just wanted to second those thoughts about Kerry. He is, if you met this guy, you wouldn't even know he played baseball. Seriously, he's that, he's that great of a human being. He's, he's awesome. I just wanted to second that. He, he is really a great person. He's easy to talk to. He's outgoing. Mm -hmm. You know, he treats you like a, you know, like a, a man or a human being, he's just, I mean, every conversation I had with him has just been so, so great. Even during difficult times, like at the ballpark, you know, people trying to, you know, get autographs and going crazy and things of that nature, he just stays even killed. And it was, I just wanted to second that he's a, he's a great guy. He is. He absolutely is. And I, I remember his last game against the Sox when his son came and got him from like met him halfway at the mound, like, I legitimately started tearing up and like never, I never really did that before. Um, and so like, that's when I knew like the impression he had on me is just a fan and then getting to know him and, and talk to him and spending some time around him. Like he's the real deal uh, off the field as well. And, you know, I've met athletes and I've been fortunate at doing what I do. And I, I meet a lot of players and some of them are certainly not that way. Uh, Kerry Woods, a true professional um, and, it made me admire him even more. Now you brought up the uh, the '90s. Uh, David and I started at Wrigley Field 
uh, in the 90s. And I'm going to have him go after me. But I know back in the 90s when I was working there and I was just 16 wearing that little red Usher vest, um, my, my whole life was Sammy Sosa. <laughs> um, it was just Sammy Sosa all day, every day, and then the home run uh, uh, race with uh, McGuire, but um, Sean Dunstan as well, the Mark Grace. Um, but back then, you know, there were only about 10,000 or so uh, fans. So every now and then, pregame, we would go and sit on the dugout and you can talk to, uh, you know, Jose Hernandez. People don't know that, but um, so David, back in the 90s, when we were just young and didn't know what we were doing, uh, who were some of your favorites? Uh, again, Carrie Wood was one of my favorites. Sammy was okay, even though he kept us at work like three hours after the game, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, he was something. But anyway, um, oh wow, there's so many. Um, because I started in 96. And when you started in 90, what did you start, Frank? 90? I think, I think, no, I think, I think I was 94, 95, I think. Wow. So right on the track. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's see. Who else was there? Uh, Sandberg was in and out of the ballpark. I don't know if he was with the team at that point. I'm not sure. I don't think he was. Uh, Guy Eddie was pretty cool. He was a nice guy. Uh, Jeff Blauser was pretty cool. He's a nice guy. Um, there were so many, man. Like every yeah. interaction I had, it was just like, it was only like a couple, and it was mainly from like the road teams. Like uh, Ricky Henderson wasn't that polite. What about like Henry Rodriguez or like Lance Johnson or Tyler Houston and uh, Steve Traxel, Mickey Morandini? Derek Lee. I have, funny, I have a funny Mickey Morandini story. I don't know if we'll get have time to get into that, but. Um, that 98, that 98 wildcard team, for some reason, like, it just etched in my brain with Gaetti and Blauser and Morandini and Grace. And I think Henry Rodriguez, I think Lance Johnson was in center. Obviously, Sosa was in right. Steve Traxel or Kevin Tappany was on one or two. And you had Scott Service and Tyler Houston behind the plate. Like, that team, for some reason, my, when I was 10 years old, like, that was a team that lasted in my brain. That's kind of when I fell in love with the Cubs was in the 90s. Yeah, that 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 wild card game in '98 was that was that was the loudest I've ever heard Wrigley prior to like the World Series uh, events. You know, after '98, that was that place was like it was just jumping. It was so crazy. '98 was a magical year for Chicago with the Bulls getting number six, and then you had right into baseball season. And then you had the Sosa McGuire home run race, which was. It, it took. Oh, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, but even that home run race that took over our our entire community. We, I'd be. I remember I played a little league game, and they had Sammy. Every time Sammy Sosa would come at bat, they would put it over the PA system, and we'd be playing a game, and we'd be listening to Sammy Sosa's bat and try to pitch, and our pitcher wouldn't pitch it because he wanted to listen to the real pitch that was going on, and it consumed all of us. It was great. I'll never forget that. There was a guy. When I first started there, maybe two or three years later, but there was a guy named Glenn Allen Hill who hit a ball. Oh, yeah. And knocked out a window across the street. And from that day forward, uh, and when I saw him in passing, his arms were just like <laughs> He stood yep. out to me. Did he Did he hit that home run that land, landed on the rooftop? Was that in 1998 as well? I think I think so, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Awesome. That was, a, that was a year. The 2020 strikeout game was in 98. 
He had the home run race in 98. Cubs ended up with the wild card in 98. Glenn Allen Hill hit a ball 7,000 feet in 1998. Yeah, that was a good time to be a Cub fan. That was exciting. And then further down the line, my favorite Cub became Derek, Derek Lee. Lee. Yeah, who I got to escort at the Coast Division a couple of years. So, oh, man. Um, and he's um, he's he's on the podcast list. So, um, But, yeah, Derek Lee is another one. Aramis, the Derek Lee and Aramis teams were, man, like they were like kind of the what if teams because that's when you had Pryor, you had Pryor and Wood and Zambrano and Maddox and Clement, and we got Derek Lee after 03. But yeah, that second, the Cubs were like tier one in the 90s and they took a big step up. And I remember like going into, I want to say it was like, Oh three, no, because Derek Lee was on a team. Maybe it was like oh eight. Like we were the preseason. We were projected to win the World Series when they had those believe bracelets. You guys remember those? I still have a couple in my drawers. But was the believe bracelets? Was that oh eight or was that oh five? That might have been like oh five. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I, don't recall, yeah. I remember Derek, but the Derek Lee years and the Ramis years and the Zambrano. Those were those were fun years too. And. A lot of it ended in letdown, um, which as Cub fans we were kind of used to, but you felt like changes were making. And then you had the the big lull from like 2010, 11, 12, and 13. Those were those were rough years. Now, you brought up uh, Mickey Morandini. He's actually on my – I have a wish list. He's on my wish list. So go ahead. Tell us your uh, Mickey Morandini story. Yeah, so being a huge Cub fan growing up, like – I always thought Mickey, and I know Mickey Morandini, he didn't play on the Cubs very long, but he made an impact, right? And he was, I think he was a kind of a fan favorite. Um, but I, again, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, played high school baseball, and he was the head varsity coach at uh, Valparaiso High School. And I went to a small school called Boone, Boone Grove, and we play them every year. And we're a much smaller school, but our school always has a very good baseball program and we compete very well with the big schools. and all that. So we played, we played Mickey Morandini's Velpo team at Velpo and we beat them 20 to 10. And we were kind of just, I mean, myself personally, I was freaking out because I was playing shortstop and Mickey Morandini was 40 feet to my right on third base being the, the third base, a lot of in high school, a lot of the, your, your coach is your third base coach. So when his batter's up to bat, like Mickey Morandini's right over there and I can just like see him and like whatever. So I was freaking out, but I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I had a really good game and I hit two home runs in the same inning against Valpo. And the second, the second home run that inning, I, I kind of strutted a little bit. Like I kind of showed a little bit, uh, I was cocky and he did not like that. And he made sure that I knew when I was rounding third, going home, he had words for me. And then after the game, he wouldn't shake my hand. So it, I think he was really mad that we beat them and we beat them badly, but I was crushed for like the whole week because I was just looking forward to the game being over so I could shake his hand and he didn't want anything to do with me. So it's, I guess it's not that funny, but I went into that with a different expectation, I guess. And I probably shouldn't have showboated that second home run, but, uh, it felt great. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we reached our uh, time limit, but I, know I definitely want to, um, and I'm sure I can speak for all of us um, uh, who work there, uh, that we appreciate, you know, when people 
think about us, especially when they know that we're, uh, you know, not uh, at the ballpark that we're always at. So uh, we definitely appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out and um, thinking about us. And, uh, you know, now when our staff sees you walking around the ballpark, they'll probably speak out to you now. <laughs> yeah. And I can't thank you guys enough for having me on and letting me ramble and I can just, I love baseball and I love the Cubs and you guys are a huge reason why we get to have that love and we get to enjoy our experience. So let me know how I can help and let me know what I can do because I really do value what you guys do day in and day out. You've been there. Both of you have been there for so long. It shows your dedication and commitment to your guys' craft and what you do. And, you know, you should take a lot of pride in that because I I and many other fans, if we don't say it to you directly, just know that we do appreciate everything you do. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that you made this podcast. You know, you made something really cool and in a time that wasn't so much fun to to be in as as humans and, you know, as baseball fans because we didn't really have that baseball experience. But uh, thank you for doing what you guys do. I sincerely appreciate it every step of the way, and I can't wait to build this relationship further. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, And uh, on that note, we will see you all on the next episode of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. Hey, guys, this is Joe Flaherty with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. As always, we want to thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work we're doing here, please drop us a rating, a review, a like, a share, a smoke signal, maybe whatever you can do to help us get the word out, help us keep growing. And of course, as a disclaimer, we want to add once again that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.